0: Welcome to Step Into the Story. Incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Welcome to Step Into the Story. I'm your host, Phil Tuttle with Walk Through the Bible. Today's conversation exactly hits the bullseye of uh, what we're after with Step Into the Story. We love to explore how God's story intersects our story. And sometimes that may be a specific event. Sometimes it's the arc of an entire life. And um, today we're going to explore one of those times when God's story is just unpredictable, where it wasn't expected at all. And, um, I don't want to. I don't want to give any more away than that. Um, welcome, Bill Newman, to step into the story. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. It's great to be with you this afternoon. Bill, let's let's get started. I want to go back um, early in your life. Tell us about where you grew up and um, what growing up was like for you.
1: Well, I grew up in East Brunswick, New Jersey, which is about as the crow flies about 35 miles from Midtown Manhattan. And um, I had uh, just a wonderful childhood uh, because I had uh, the most incredible mom on earth. Uh, my dad uh, walked out of our lives on Christmas Day 1963 mm. and uh, she, he left behind my mom with four of us boys, the oldest one being eight, my brother Bob and and my youngest brother Rick was only 17 months at that point and uh, he left twenty dollars on the kitchen table and literally walked out of our lives Christmas afternoon. I saw him just two times, uh, after that. And, uh, then he passed away in 1979 at the young age of 49. And yet out of that heartache, I, the Lord just blessed me with the most wonderful idyllic childhood. Uh, my mom was, <laughs> she was the envy of every other kid in the neighborhood. Matter of fact, all the kids in the neighborhood wanted to live at our house. And so, um, you know, it was just, uh, she just did an amazing job and, and taught us at a very young age uh, that um, what we didn't have in a dad, we had in a heavenly
0: father. That's amazing because especially, you know, when our earthly fathers let us down, whether it's by just not being very available or engaged, let alone if there's abuse or um, or if there's just an absentee father like you experience it's really hard to think of our Heavenly Father in those positive terms. And um, that just says a ton about your mom's, not only her love for you and your three brothers, but just the depth of her faith and, and her trust. Was she a woman of, of deep faith as well as being a all-star mom?
1: You know, she really was, Phil. And uh, in her story, uh, how God intersected with her story is amazing. Uh, because just during that same time, she wasn't a believer. And uh, during that time of uh, going through a heartache, right before my dad walked out, uh, when my mom knew that their marriage was on the rocks and she was doing all she could to desperately save it, she'd taken on a night job at uh, a book about 30 miles away in, in Rahway, New Jersey, and was working the midnight shift. and So she would leave Every afternoon, our neighbor would put us to bed and stay with us until she got back home, and And on her way one night to her job, uh, she got rerouted because of construction by this little—she went by this little uh, Old Bridge Baptist Church, and there was a sign out front, and the sign just read, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And my mom didn't know what that meant. She— couldn't get it out of her mind. She went to work that night, and that verse just kept pounding on her as she was listening to the machines there at the book bindery. And by the time she got home next morning, she just felt compelled. She just had to call the church. She talked to the church secretary, which hmm. uh, resulted in us being all in church that following Sunday, and it wasn't long after that, that, that God saved her. And, uh, and it wasn't long after maybe about a month and a half after my dad left that my mom led me to the Lord.
0: Wow. I mean, he does promise to be the husband to the husbandless, the father to yeah, the fatherless, but you don't often hear it fulfilled in that immediate and that profound a way. That that is as that is something, Bill. So, was that in the, the church in her life?
1: Go ahead. I was just to say the change in her life was so dramatic that it had an impact on all of us.
0: Wow. So, is that the church that you were still in as a teenager?
1: Um, actually, uh, it was, and it wasn't, we were at, I, I was saved in that church as a child. Um, and then, um, I, uh, we stayed there until I was 12. And then, um, for three years of my life, I wasn't involved in church anywhere. And after that, uh, uh, we became members at the East Brunswick Baptist Church, uh, in East Brunswick, church, Red Cross Town. Hmm.
0: So... There's a story I've heard you tell before that I want you to share about you. You were a teenager. I can't remember exactly how old you were. And, you know, growing up surrounded by city and um, didn't one of your youth sponsors, like, take you for a, a wilderness adventure or something? Yes.
1: Yeah, that happened at the age of 17. Um, we, uh, several of, uh, well, Going into my senior year, uh, the idea was uh, that the, the, the youth leaders at the East Brunswick Baptist Church wanted to take us seniors on a three-day trip uh, to the Catskill Mountains just north of New York City. And um, to get us ready for that, um, one of the youth leaders, um, I call her mom, Alexander, uh, Polly Alexander, uh, she and her husband, Fred, took us on a one-day hike uh, to the Delaware Water Gap. Uh, about an hour and a half from my home in East Brunswick. And, Phil, I never even knew, you know, growing up where I grew up in suburban New Jersey, uh, right off the uh, the New Jersey Turnpike, I never knew that New Jersey had woods and hills like that. And um, so I got out there on that trail that day. and I mean, I was just smitten with this Appalachian Trail, and I didn't even know it was the Appalachian Trail. I didn't know what the Appalachian Trail was. And uh, we hiked about five miles up. the Delaware Water Gap to this place called Sunfish Pond, and while the rest of the group was having lunch, I kind of wandered off to the north end of the pond and kind of just wistfully looked into the woods at the path and just wondered where it went, and almost like reading my thoughts, uh, Mom Alexander came up uh, behind me and said, you know, Bill, you're standing on the world's most famous footpath. And if you kept walking that way, you could walk all the way to Maine. If you turned around and walked the other way, you could walk all the way to Georgia. And I told her as a 17-year-old, right then and there, someday I'm getting on this trail in Georgia and I'm not getting off again until I get to
0: Maine. So he planted that a, He planted the, that dream in you at that point. I mean, that, you're talking about yes. 2,190 miles, according to the Appalachian Trail um, website, and at 17, Correct. God planted that dream in your mind that you were going to be one of those rare individuals who through-hiked it. Um, mm-hmm. When did that plan come together? Well, I had a tremendous mentor in my life uh, at that point, uh, Sam Phillips,
1: who was a, um, an executive with uh, General Electric in New York City. He and his wife for nine years paid for voice lessons for me in New York City, and so every Thursday, I'd get on a bus or I'd ride in with him, and I'd go to my voice lesson up on the Upper West Side, and then I'd take the train down to 42nd Street uh, and get off, and I'd walk over his office building, uh, which was actually in the Chrysler building, and um, I'd go up to his fifth floor office, and he'd sit me behind his big desk, and then he'd Say, Master Newman, what may what executive decisions have we made this week? You know, and he would <laughs> sit there with the secretary would normally sit. And so this one particular day, I told him, I said, I made a decision this past week that someday I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. And so he said, he says, "Well, tell me all about it." And I told him all about it. He said, "So when are you doing this?" And I said, "Oh, I don't know." He said, "Oh no, that's not that's not acceptable." He says, "Any vision without a plan is just a dream." Yep. And he made me at the age of 17 decide when and where I was going and how I was going to hike the Appalachian Trail. So as a 17-year-old, I planned to hike the trail, uh, I guess, to handle my midlife crisis. You know, I wanted to <laughs> celebrate my 40th birthday uh, on the top of Katahdin, uh, the Appalachian Trail's final Mountain in Maine. And uh, he walked me through what, you know, he told me, he says, my first assignment was I had to go back to my boss uh, at 7-Eleven, I was working with the 7-Eleven at that that, that point, he told me, that he says, tell your boss tonight that if you're still working for him when you're 39 years old, you better not be. But if you are, uh, then, uh, you know, he's got to give you six months off hiking Appalachian Trail. And I did, and my boss, of course, laughed. But um, he said, you know, you tell that to every single employer that you have between now and the next 22 years, and I promise you, when the time comes, you'll get the time to do it. And, uh, so when I went to, when I went to my, my job, my final job before I hiked the trail in, uh, 1993, uh, Ken Riley, my dear friend, uh, he sat down with me and he wanted me to come on staff at Lake and camp. And I told him, I said, Ken, I'll do it under one condition. you got to give me 19, the summer of 1999 off so I can hike the Appalachian trail. So, uh,
0: Which at that point sounded like the distant future to Ken, but you were still there when that rolled around.
1: (laughs) Exactly. He came to me in 98 and said, "Uh, Newman, are you still thinking about hiking that stupid trail next year? And I said, yeah. Uh, he says, well, do I need to remind you that we run a summer camp here and that, you know, you're our walk-through-the-bible instructor for the entire junior high program uh, every summer here and... And I said, yeah, I, I yeah I can, but do you remember that you promised? <laughs> and uh, so that's how it happened, and we've, we've joked about that a lot of times.
0: And we got to train some other folks uh, there at Lake Ann to replace you. So yes, yes, So this dream that's been in you now for, what, over two decades, um, come that summer, it's, it's go time. And um, we got to see you here in Atlanta and— have a little party to see you off um, is it is it true that mom Alexander was there at the trailhead when you launched
1: uh, she was she actually hiked the first couple of miles with me and uh, and not only that uh, she has uh, every single year since uh, that has become a wonderful tradition spending three or four days at her home uh, with her family and just enjoying sweet fellowship and uh, she's just one of my Biggest fans and supporters and encouragers. Uh, She's been been a real testimony in my life as well. So,
0: Bill, there's going to be people all over the world listening to this conversation, um, most of whom are not familiar with the Appalachian Trail or this idea of through hiking it. Um, Who does that, and and why? I mean, it's easy to understand. You're living in a state called the Garden State. You didn't even know that there was a garden, and you discover this little strip of paradise. It's easy to see how that dream got planted. But there's actually a bunch of people every year who make that 2,200-mile hike. Who are they, and why do they do that?
1: Well, I didn't know this at the time, Phil, but uh, biking and cycling—I mean, cycling and hiking are— the top two uh, uh, sports, if you will, recreational sports in the entire world. And uh, it's it's just amazing to me that every year, um, I didn't know anything about the Appalachian National Scenic Trail. It's among all the trails around the world, it's the, it's the most famous. They call it the granddaddy of all trails. It stretches through 14 states, as you said, 2,190 miles, and And every year, between four and six million people get on at least a section of that trail, if only for a day hike. Uh, It passes through the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, which is the most visited national park in the country, and the Shenandoah National Park. And it just goes up the eastern seaboard where, you know, most of the people in this country live. And um, so I had no idea about all that. I had no idea how popular it was. But it has just just increased year by year uh, in the most amazing way. More and more people are hiking, as it's, and more and more people are hiking the Appalachian Trail. Uh, what draws people to it? Uh, well, it's an epic adventure. Uh, it's demanding. It's uh, something that people write books about. There's been a lot of books written, uh, not only about the trail itself, but about the experiences that folks have had on it. And I didn't know any of that when I uh, decided I wanted to hike it as a, as a teenager and then actually got on the trail, I still didn't know all of that. I was completely taken by surprise. I, I actually thought that when I got on the trail in 1999, that I was kind of doing something that very few people ever did. And um, was I ever into a surprise? As hmm. Matter of fact, I tell folks all the time that, <laughs> you know, I thought I was going to have this six month wilderness experience and Little did I know that, uh, you know, it was like a moving refugee camp.
0: So the thru-hikers, I mean, that's quite a commitment. It's six months or so. Um, who takes that on? What's the profile of an average thru-hiker?
1: Well, I tell people all the time that we look like and smell like homeless people. and uh, <laughs> But the average person who hikes uh, has at least... I think they're one semester short of a master's degree. That's the, that's the composite person that hikes. The vast majority of people that hike are, are, movers and shakers in their own world. There's a lot of retired executives, um, firemen, policemen, uh, uh, traveling nurses, uh, young people just out of college. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of Israeli military folk, uh, come over, uh, Dozens and dozens of folks from Germany I meet every year on the trail and from other countries. It really, uh, it really has become a national, uh, an international trail. Hmm. And so uh, the thing that amazes me is that every single day on the Appalachian Trail, according to the, uh, the, the last statistics that I read a few years back, according to the Appalachian Trail Conservancy uh, Office, which is headquartered in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, a through hiker every single day during his six months on the trail will meet an average of 18 brand new people every single day.
0: Wow. So, so a lot what's the, there. are there commonalities in terms of the motivation behind that? I mean, you've profiled who does it, but, but why do they do it?
1: Well, there's the, there's the physical challenge. Um, there's the, the, um, the, the mental challenge. Uh, and then there's the, 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 the very real spiritual challenge, which even those who don't initially think they're going out there for something like that, um, they're just confronted by uh, God's creation, his design, and uh, they know they need to do something with that. And um, so that's where, that's what really took me by surprise in 1999 initially, So was that I went out there just to hike a trail. Uh, but what God did in the course of that was he captured my heart for the people that hike the trail. Mm. Um, and I was totally blown away by, um, I was just amazed by the, just the, the searching hearts that I found out there, mm. uh, people longing for something more. They were out there because, uh, in very, in, in very real ways, and in a lot of ways, the life that they left behind was something that uh, just didn't satisfy.
0: Yeah. So there's a openness and a hunger. There's obviously available time because it's not the hectic schedule of normal life. Um, you said you got surprised by the openness there. Can you give a couple examples uh, of that from that summer of 99?
1: One of the things that I learned, uh, Phil, in in that summer, uh, there were several things that I learned, but one of the things that really stood out to me and still stands out to me today and and amazes me, and is a real encouragement to me, is that um, people that that are outside of the faith, that have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, the vast majority of the ones that I have met are not so much antagonistic towards the gospel as they, they're, they're, as they are just skeptical of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they want to see reality. They want to see that God is really there and he's really there for them. And, uh, you know, one of the things that has amazed me uh, time and time again are the people that I've met along the way uh, in 1999. And, of course, um, you've got to understand uh, people that don't hike the trail of uh, won't understand the trail names but we don't go by you know my name out there on the trail nobody knows me as bill uh or you know or somebody that might be named steve or whatever um they are uh, we all have trail names my trail name is circuit rider which was a trail name given to me by some friends up north at my home church that thought that would go well with a a preacher hiking the trail Uh and um and you know so i met I met several different people on the trail that year. My my uh, closest friend that I met that year was a, a guy whose trail name was actually Pupa Jack. And uh, you know, when I first met him on the trail that day, uh, I I started laughing at his trail name, not realizing that uh, his trail name had to do with what he called his wife, Poopa, uh, which is apparently what a lot of older guys in Maine call their husband call their wives. There's actually a song about you know my Poopa. And then his dog, Jack. And uh, so his trail name was Pupa Jack. And uh, the day I met him on the trail um, was just unforgettable because <laughs> I came up, I was in the Smoky Mountains, and it was one of those days in the Smokies, which we hikers not so affectionately call the Soakies uh, because it just rains all the time, especially in the spring. And it was one of those typical days in the Smokies still where, It would rain just long enough for you to get your gear on, your rain gear on, and then it would stop just long enough for you to get your rain gear off. And I came around the bend, and here's this, uh, I would find out, 65-year-old man who was carrying a 65-pound pack, literally, had it hoisted up over his head and was in the process of slamming it down on the ground, having a full-fledged, very colorful conversation with no one in particular. And uh, (laughs) I came around the bend, and... And uh, he turned around with a start and said, who are you? You know, and I said, I'm a circuit rider. He said, what's a circuit rider? And I said, well, I said, circuit riders are, you know, sort of giving the spiel about being ministers that, you know, they were traveling preachers, especially in the, in the Southern Appalachians from the late 1600s to the middle 1800s. He didn't want to hear any of that.
0: I bet he did not. Yeah. No, he did not. He had, oh, as soon as he heard the
1: word preacher, he just said, you're a preacher, then pray. Pray right now. Tell him to make up his cotton-picking mind. And uh, <laughs> I turned to my buddy that I was hiking with, Ulysses, um, and I said, Ryan, you watch. This guy's going to be a friend for life. And not only did he become a friend for life, but um, I became dear friends with his entire family. A matter of fact, I'm just part of their family now. And um, it has been an absolute, it's been a joy to see, uh, many in that family uh, come to know Christ over the yeah. years. That's been a real blessing to my heart.
0: I know I've heard you share multiple stories like that of maybe somebody meets Jesus for the first time through mm-hmm. conversation or several conversations over a campfire or um, people who had faith and whatever crisis came into their life, um, they'd had they'd lost that faith and God rekindled it. You know, we're, we're talking about something that occurred 20 years ago, and yet yeah. this isn't. We're not just exploring history because um, after you completed those 2,200 miles, I, I think you just thought you would put a check in the box on your bucket list. Um, you had had a big dream, but God had a way bigger dream for you in the Appalachian Trail. Um, talk some about that.
1: Bill, I never ever intended on hiking the trail more than one time. Um, I had the best job on Earth. Uh, my friend was my best friend on Earth. Um, I was at Lake Ann Camp. I had the privilege of being a pastor, the camp pastor at that church uh, at that camp, and the, the director of church relations, which meant I I had the privilege of traveling uh, all over the state and beyond. To uh, sit down with pastors who were sending their children to uh, this incredible camp, and uh, and just following up on decisions that had been made at camp. I mean, it was phenomenal. I didn't want to go anywhere, and in fact, that summer, as the summer progressed, um, I felt like the Lord was tugging on my heart, and I didn't want to hear it. <laughs> I did not. I I I wanted to be one and done with the 18. I, I was glad to have had the experience. I cherished it. I loved it. It was the greatest, you know, a most amazing experience. And, and yet by the time I got from the, about 40 miles from the end um, at a wilderness camp called White House Landing, uh, which was actually run by Pupa Jack's son, Bill, um, I sat down and I wrote three pages of notes to the Lord that I intended to show nobody. In fact, I don't think I, I, don't think I ever have shown anybody. And, um, I wrote them in my journal about what a ministry to the hikers would look like, uh, if somebody was going to do it. <laughs> and, I, and I, and I, told the Lord that day, I said, father, I have no interest. I mean, I'm not, if you want me back out here, I don't want to leave the camp. I don't want to leave my ministry in Michigan. I love it there. If you want me back out here, it's going to have to be you and I'm not helping you out. Um, and, uh, Phil, he took me up on that. You know, one of the things that I learned in the summer of 1999 is that God loves the challenge, and he never loses. Hmm. And if you will challenge him, you know, one of the things, um, you know, that we, that we talk about, you know, that, you know, you started this uh, discussion out with was, you know, uh, how God's story and our story interacts. And, you know, I've, it's just been a, what I have discovered over the years is that I've been in his story all along. It's just that sometimes it takes a long time for, for us to realize that he's been writing it long before we ever knew he was. And um, he'd been preparing me for that moment. So I got off the trail that summer. I put those notes in my journal, uh, my journal, into my notes in my journal, into my the bottom of a box somewhere, and I hid it. I didn't tell anybody, and I went back to the camp, and I tried to work harder than ever. And I said, you know, Lord, if you want me back on the trail, it's going to have to be you. I'm not helping you out one bit. <laughs> well, that following spring, uh, Ken called me into the office at Lake Ann, and he said that he had a call from a youth pastor who had uh, found out that I uh, had hiked the trail the previous year and was wondering if I would take his youth group out on the trail. Well, we, we went out a week in the woods. We actually didn't go to the Appalachian Trail. We went to uh, the North Country Trail down in Ohio and hiked for a week and God just did some amazing things that week in the lives of some of those young people who today are still in full-time ministry. Hmm. And um, the following summer, uh, the following year, by the time spring rolled around, there were the word got around and three churches wanted me to take uh, their young people out on the trail. Only this time they wanted to go to the Appalachian Trail. So by... 2001, I was back on the Appalachian Trail for three weeks. Well, by the time 2002 rolled around, uh, there were 15 churches wanting to go out on the Appalachian Trail for a week at a time. We only had a nine-week camp program at that particular point. And uh, again, I nobody. This was completely the Lord. I wasn't advertising any of this, and and yet, um, you know, ended up that year spending 15 weeks on the trail, and which was amazing, and the thing about that is, you know, Ken, who had tried it in 19, 1998 about taking six months off, when I got back to the camp in 1999, he said, okay, Newman, you got that out of your mind. You got it out of your system. I don't want to hear any more about the AT, and by, the, by 2002, the camp was sending me back out for not only 15 weeks, still, but I had, when, when the board came to me and asked me if I'd be willing to do all 15 weeks instead of just nine, I, I said, I will, um, but I know what God's doing here. Here's the deal. I'll do all 15 weeks if he let me do another through hike. Because my heart already, I knew what he was doing in my heart with the hikers. And uh, I never thought they would approve that. But they did that same day uh, the board got back in touch with me and, and told me that they were sending me back not just for 15 weeks, but for uh, another through hike on the Appalachian Trail. Hmm. And by the end of that summer, uh, the, the trail actually, uh, we, I didn't finish that year until November 2nd. By, uh, by November 2nd of that year, uh, my wonderful hiking partner of 16 years, Henry, uh, Sherlock, this is his trail name, we knelt down by the side of the road on the way to visit uh, a hiker in North Jersey. And uh, we just said, Lord, we know what you're doing, and we know that this is the end of you but um, I'm yours. Mm. And I walked away from the greatest job on earth uh, to do uh, to take on the greatest challenge of my life.
0: Mm. Bill, what is an average day for you like on the trail? I mean, what time do you start? When do you knock off? What happens then after it gets dark? Tell us about an average day. I know there's no such thing, but, but paint a picture for us, will you?
1: Well, an average day for me starts about 5 o'clock in the morning. I get up and I have coffee, and, and then I like to be on the trail by about 6.30 because most hikers don't get on the trail until about 8 o'clock. And that gives me about an hour and a half to just have, uh, just to walk with the Lord and uh, and commit the day to Him. And um, one of the things that I pray, I pray every single day, uh, Father, You know, You know whose hearts You have stirred. I don't, you do. If it pleases you to send them my way, uh, just, just let me be ready, and, uh, and I will welcome that. And so every single day, I have encounters. Uh, I've told people this many times, Phil, that, you know, what pastor wouldn't give his right arm to have people just dropping into the church uh, every single day and asking the kind of questions that people ask me? and the encounters that I have every single day out there on that trail. And um, then I usually stop. I I, I try to hike between 18 to 22 miles a day. Um, I stop for about an hour and a half in the middle of the day, have coffee again, many times with other hikers. And um, then I try to be in my campsite between four and five o'clock in the afternoon. And that gives me anywhere from three to four hours to just sit and visit with hikers. And the, the amazing thing is, you know, you've got, you're hiking with a moving tribe that's out there that's committed to six months of being out there. And the only thing we're thinking about is how far are we going to hike, where are we going to camp, and what are we going to eat? And not necessarily in that order. And uh, so you have you, – you basically, in, in three or four days, you can develop a deeper relationship with people doing that than you could living to some next door to some neighbor for 20 years. And that's the thing about the Appalachian Trail that just amazes me. I've told people many, many times that it's it's the last uh, it's the last place where we have that porch swing uh, sort of uh, society in America. You know, people don't do that anymore. But on the on the Appalachian Trail, you have plenty of time to just sit and talk and build relationships. And and for me, my number one goal is to to let them see Jesus in me and to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within.
0: So, Circuit Rider, you are now kind of unofficially the chaplain of the Appalachian Trail. It has continued for a um, little over 20 years now, and it's a it's a year-round opportunity. I know you've done weddings. You've done funerals. Um, so many of the people that you meet and form relationships with, many of them, int- you get to introduce them to Jesus Christ. A lot of them aren't church-going people. And, you know, you talk about somebody's story being intersected by God's story. Um, you're the one who has gotten to form that intersection in in many people's lives. Uh, you and I are neither one stats-oriented people, and we don't, you know, put notches in our belts. But do you do you have any idea, I mean, how many people's lives have been either eternally changed or, at least in this life, dramatically changed through relationships that you forged along the way?
1: Well, Bill, I don't know if I could give you specific numbers, um, you know, because it's it's really all about the Lord, none about me. Matter of fact, even interviews like this make me uncomfortable because, you know, my prayer coming into this today was that, um, you know, that the Lord Jesus would be the only one that would shine. Um, it has been my express privilege to be involved with and love um, people that are beyond precious to my heart uh, for you know, now more than 20 years. And um, I can I, I, I don't know if I could give you exact numbers. All I know is that I literally, without any problem at all, could uh, you know, talk the rest of this week with you. Uh, story after story after story, uh, about the lives that I've seen got impact and change. And um, you know and I, it just that's that's what keeps me going. It gets me out of bed every morning. And as you said, it's not just a, it's not just six months every year on the trail. this um, you know I, I tell people all the time they'll they'll come to me and they'll say, Circle rider, how many through hikes have you done? And I, and I, I just started telling people I'm still on my first one. Huh. because the through hike that God's got me on uh, has not is has not ended yet hmm. and uh, that's the only one that I seek to be on so
0: that's so great bill if somebody wanted to learn more about your ministry and follow your adventures uh, what's the best way for them to connect with you
1: well they can uh, you know they can always contact me by text message at my phone number which is listed on my uh, on our website heartbeat Appalachian Trail or Heartbeat AT is the website www.heartbeatat.com. All my contact information is on there. Uh, I can also be followed on Facebook at um, it's just Heartbeat Appalachian Trail. If you just do a search for that, you'll come up with my. um, Great.
0: Well, it's it's been a great joy to um, be a tiny, tiny part of this adventure and. I remember hearing when you were going to do this the first time 20 years ago. I mean, Ellen and I have hiked bits and pieces of the AT. Um, Some wouldn't even call what we do hiking. They might call it walking. Um, But to think of doing the whole thing from beginning to end, but then as big as that idea seemed, God had a bigger idea. And, um, you know, rather than staying at a Christian camp or being in a church, you certainly have a, the gifts to do that. Um, you know, following the pattern of Jesus, of not not staking out a spot and saying, those who are interested, they'll come find me. But you being out there and finding the people at such key moments in their lives when they're asking the biggest questions of all. Um, it's just It's just thrilling to hear this conversation. And I can't wait to hear where God's going to take you next, my friend.
1: Well, you know, Phil, uh, I was challenged as a 15-year-old at a at a camp, a winter retreat camp in northeastern Pennsylvania, by a preacher who challenged us young people back that that day uh, to be. He said, "You know, everyone in this world uh, is going to be a fool for something," and he took us to First Corinthians four, where Paul talked about being a fool for Christ. And uh, it has been my express privilege not only to have made that decision that day to do so, but to never turn back. And What I went out to do in 1999 as the adventure of a lifetime, that's what most hikers call it, has, for me, become a lifetime of adventure. But it's not been my adventure, it's been totally God. And um, I just, with each step that I take, I just know that he needs And my job is just to follow and let him do it. That's right.
0: You know, all of us are walking a path. Uh, it may not be marked out with with blazes like the AT is, but we're all on this journey someplace, and God is looking to intersect our hike with his adventure to give purpose to the journey that we're on. And um, Bill has certainly done a great job spelling that out for us today. You can keep in touch with him at Heartbeat com. Um, there's some good resources there as well as our walk through the Bible website, walkthrough.org, W A L K T H R U.org. And that really is the vision of walk through the Bible, not just to come alongside folks at a one day live event or for you to read one thing on Facebook, or even just listen to one podcast. But we want to be on the through hike with you and um, provide resources and encouragement, along the way. That's the ministry God has called us to. And I hope that today has even been an encouragement, and accelerator to you in that journey. We'll see you next time on Step Into the Story. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast, powered by Walk Through the Bible. We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk through the Bible. Take a walk. Change the world.